This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. Comic Book Click is on Patreon, guys. For as little as $0.10 cents a day or $3 a month, not only can you help keep the lights on here at Comic Book Click headquarters, but your donation gives you access to exclusive content like CBC commentaries, polls where you can choose what content we cover next, and special behind-the-scenes footage of things here at Comic Book Click. Visit Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse today and become a Patreon. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. everybody out there in comic book land my name is george serrano aka the don and if you're listening to this you can only be here for one reason that's a brand new episode of the major issues podcast brought to you by comicbookclick.com and as always i am never alone sir can you please introduce yourself i am another variant of dan from c137 timeline and i'm here to take over the suicide squad co-hosting for today I seem to not be able to get rid of you, Dan's, but I seem to have another variant of Dan the comic. Man, you you already look different than your other uh, variants. I could already see that. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more of a happier variant. I'm, I, I felt like those. I see my Dan handle this t- this uh, timeline of podcasting. He's a very angry person. I think the fans deserve a much more happy and cheerful episode today. It is August third for us. It is a beautiful 2021. Well, for yeah. you, I don't like 21. Well, I, I, I like your hot topic aesthetic. I like the uh, gray color of your skin. You seem to come from a very DC universe-esque universe, but you, you're in a good mood well, and that's all that matters. That's all that, that is matters. All- and yeah, like you said, it's we're right around the corner. We've been celebrating some big anniversaries lately. We're right around the corner from the five-year anniversary of the release of Suicide Squad. Not only was it the introduction of that team into the silver screen via DC Comics, but also the introduction of many characters that will go on to play bigger roles in future films and the subject of so much controversy. Um, There are people who love this film. There are people who hate this film. There are people who don't even know the problems that took place behind the scenes of this film. And we'll be talking about all of that in this five-year anniversary episode. One of the things that we had to do to be able to cover this is to go back and watch this film, (laughs) which is uh, something that I don't know many people have been doing. James Gunn's Suicide Squad is right around the corner, so maybe people are. dipping back in to the David Ayer Suicide Squad. But um, it's been a while, Dan. What do you remember from the last time you saw this film? I had a very, very, very amazing theater experience. And I feel almost robbed that I got to enjoy this movie in a way that not many others got to enjoy this movie. I went to this movie, had to be 12 deep. And I say 12 deep because all of my friends and I literally took up an entire theater row. Okay. Like from from one end of the aisle to the other end of the aisle, we took up an entire theater row and we went in enjoying this. I'll never forget. I think it was the the big Will Smith Deadshot scene in the street where all of my friends and I would just look at each other and whisper, yo, fuck Rotten Tomatoes. Yo, fuck Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes (laughs) is what they're talking about. Yo, fuck Rotten Tomatoes. Because Rotten Tomatoes gave this a 14. 
while we were watching this, we ended up oh, getting 14%. a notification I'm like, what did, I'm for it. It was like a 14%, I think. Okay. Or like a 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. So my theater experience of this was loving everything. Now there were certain moments where we laughed, where we made fun of it, and we laughed that we made fun of it, but it didn't overall deter us from the enjoyment. Yeah, I think that theater experience has a lot to do with um, your enjoyment of film sometimes. I know people who have gone in and had horrible theater experiences and end up disliking pretty popular films because of it, because it is all about how you're able to engross yourself into this universe. Um, I remember watching it. I remember distinctively digging it as I watched it. I remember afterwards thinking that I didn't really remember anything <laughs> too um, monumental about the film. And then um, I, it became what I think certain commentators call a fridge film in the sense that uh, I thought like I figured everything on, was on the up and up. And then I would go to my fridge at three o'clock in the morning to get a snack and be like, hey, wait a minute. That part of the movie didn't really make any sense. <laughs> I don't a meant to be a monumental film like this isn't exactly like we're getting Superman hovering above Batman in the sky with the bat light with the bat signal showing like this wasn't meant to be iconic this wasn't meant to have oh that's a classic shot that's a classic scene it wasn't meant to have any of that I think this was just a fun turn your brain off just for a second and watch action watch action at the expense of action's sake and that's really what DC was just trying to go for. They were just, you know what this movie reminded me a lot of? A, a, a shoot 'em up that took itself too seriously. Imagine if shoot 'em up took itself seriously. Well, people That's could argue that DC themselves take themselves too seriously. And while I agree that it didn't have to be a monumental work of art, the issue with it is its placement in the timeline because this film comes out mere months after Batman versus Superman. So while it's not this big iconic or, you know, sweeping epic, it literally came months after that. It's almost the equivalent of when Ant-Man came out after Avengers uh, Age of Ultron. Many people didn't end up seeing Ant-Man because they're like, what the, what's the point of going and watching this, this very small, seemingly inconsequential film after this massive uh, film in, in Age of Ultron? Hilarious how they do it again with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, and they also did it with uh, Spider-Man with this last uh, uh, Endgame. Oh, yeah. So, so it does happen. Um, but yeah, I think that th that's what I remember from the film, like just like thinking like I had fun. But if I think about it too much, I remember having a lot of issues with the film w without going into full details. Has your opinion changed? Like now that you were able to watch it, I guess, solo um, was the experience still enjoyable? Were you still finding yourself having fun with it? Where, where, uh, do, you, where do you sit on, on this? You know what it is? This is this is the the Marvel. This is the DC equivalent of New Mutants for me. It's the 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 more I watch it, the more I don't understand why I don't dislike it. I don't hate Suicide Squad. I don't even think Suicide Squad is bad. I think Suicide Squad was potential. There's a lot of missing ingredients. A lot of missing ingredients. If you gave me a, a nice bowl of soup. I would notice if it's missing the potatoes or the broth and you're mm. just handing a bowl of just vegetables. Like, you know, there was, a, there was some missing ingredients, but I did find myself still enjoying three fourths of this movie. I rewatched it a few nights ago, Sunday night, I rewatched it, the extended cut. And I was 
enjoying a lot of it. There was a lot of moments where I was like, you know, this isn't that bad. This is pretty cool. A lot of the acting and the chemistry specifically, you can't fight chemistry and you can't fight people having good times. And Jai Courtney is just eating the scene as Captain Boomerang. Harley is great going around trying to do a little psych eval on everybody, see where everybody leads and then just gives everybody a diagnosis and walks away. It's, there, was a, there was a lot to be desired for this movie. But then we get like an hour and 45 minutes into the movie. Now I'm checking the runtime. Now I'm like, OK, this is yeah. this is a this is a little boring. Like, you know, where are we going with this? There was there was too many walking and talking scenes. Way too many walking and talking scenes for a movie that should be bad guys being sent to fight bad guys. And if they don't do it, they die. So you found, yourself, it, you found that you were a little bit more critical this time around? I was definitely a little bit more critical this time around, but I was also very much in of the camp of it's a dark horse. It's a guilty pleasure. It's I could throw this movie on in the background, pay attention for a few scenes, smile, laugh, enjoy it. And then go back to doing what I'm doing. It's the same thing with New Mutants. The other day, New Mutants was on HBO Zone. And I left it on. Yeah. And I just I, let it play. I fear that when we get an ensemble piece done right in about a week's time, when we come back here to review The Suicide Squad, this film will fall several ranks back down. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. It's not only Gunn, but it's all of James Gunn's boys. Right. It's the... The dude from Ant Man, that wrote the guy, David the guy that Malchin. He's got um, he's got Sean Gunn. He's got, uh, got Michael, Michael Rucker. Rucker. Yeah, he's got a lot of a lot of heavy hitters from his side. He has all of his boys. I think Tyler Bates is even gonna do the score. If Tyler Bates is doing the score, that's it. He checked off the gun bingo box. <laughs> got his brother, his two friends, his composer. We're checking off the gun bingo box. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking very much forward to this. As far as my opinion um, going forward, so now I sympathize with this film a bit more. Um, I do, like you said, see a bit of breadcrumb trails of where things were supposed to go. But there's a moment in this film, and we'll get into it when we get into the plot, that now I look at as a moment of complete, uh, what do you call that? Um, it was like a showing of just, rookie level editing and rookie level storytelling that oh, now yeah. has just completely changed like i completely forgot that this was an element to the film maybe i wouldn't i didn't understand and upon rewatch i i see this and i go and i rewind it i'm like are they saying what i think that they're saying and when they do uh it, it now has changed my mind completely about the pacing of this film and how it was kind of put together we'll get into the um the nuance of the production woes that this film uh, went into. Um, so let me give you guys some background on this film. Uh, by February 2009, so seven years before it even came out, a Suicide Squad film was in development at Warner Brothers. Director David Ayer signed on to write and direct the film in September of 2014. And by October of 2014, the cast process had already begun. Principal photography began in Toronto, Ontario on August 13th, 2015, with additional filming in Chicago and ended in August of that year. The Suicide Squad premiered in New York City on August 1st, 2016, and was released in the United States all over and um, all over the United States on August 5th, 2016. 
Following a strong debut that set box office records initially, the film grossed over $746 million worldwide, making it the 10th highest grossing film of 2016. I'm one of those box office people. Me too. Because uh, I definitely uh, <laughs> The film wait, received- you came out August 5th. 2016 which is uh, hilarious yeah because in august 5th of 2021 there'll be a lot of people seeing suicide squad too yes yep and i'm i'm just interested in seeing how many people go back to this like if this gets any more sales or stuff because it's in the uh popular for me it depends the on where this sits in suicide squad's self-contained it's timeline. not gonna sit anywhere they're not if i if I, I had to guess we're acting like none of that ever happened <laughs> so this is just a straight reboot of a reboot yeah it's like yeah they're rebooting their own product and it's maddening again because the ending of this doesn't gel with the beginning of birds of prey and the ending of birds of prey will not gel with the beginning of the suicide squad <laughs> so all of that is just maddening um but even with with this maddening nature um you you got praise for the cast, uh, criticism for the plot. It won multiple awards, including an Oscar for best makeup and hairstyling, making it the first DCEU uh, film to win an Academy Award. And what's special is it predates the Justice League as the first film in the DCEU that was seemingly taken away from its original director and subsequently ruined by studio mandates and interference. Uh, I don't think the story of how bad this thing got is public knowledge but we'll get into it after we review the film so we can see the film as the mess that it is and then i'll unlock some of the secrets as to why uh it is that mess one of the things i think I'm with it. one of the things i think people remember the most about this film is the freaking and i i didn't even have this in my notes but i was thinking about it now the freaking promotion this film was promoted everywhere it was on bus stops it was in train stations toys hot topic posters commercials music videos right we had three or four music videos i feel like by the time the, this uh film came out it was from the um, soundtrack it was you don't own me Purple i need a gangster, gangster. I need a gangster. <laughs> heathens sucker for pain oh yes so, yes, yes, yes. so there was a, there was a good hand fill i don't feel like this suicide squad is getting anywhere near as much promotion for some reason but if i had to guess it's because of the issues with this like uh james gunn much rather let people sleep on this like they did guardians one and then just have it be promoted word of mouth which would be much cheaper <laughs> when push comes to shove yeah, after, after about two decades of gunn's career mm-hmm. from from super to belco experiment to to writing he wrote the scooby-doo he wrote scooby-doo he wrote dawn of the dead I think people trust James Gunn. So I think the fact that he's taking over a movie that's so much that they wanted so much to be like Guardians, that it's going to be like a cakewalk for him. Yeah, but I wonder why they didn't put money behind the promotion. That's that's Uh, my whole thing. Like, I don't understand why they didn't do it as bad as... um, but I mean, they obviously don't care about cost. Look what they did. Look what they do for half of these films. I'm not too sure. But I'm hoping that... Like I said, I, I think that the 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 mindset is that it will be so good <laughs> that word of mouth will will uh work in its favor and thus moving forward um everyone no, will end course. up watching it and it'd it's be cheaper smart. i think it's smart too with the the hbo max stuff but i hope uh hbo max isn't pulling a disney and i hope that it's in his contract that he gets both releases because <laughs> i don't want to hear james gunn suing hbo max in dc <laughs> but at, because, the very, uh, at the very 
last year, I want to say sometime last year when they had decided that this is what the, the route that they were going to go in, um, it was decided that all of HBO Max's 2021 releases, or sorry, all of Warner Brothers 2021 releases would be released on HBO Max. That was like a big announcement that they made. So they made yes, they- year, they, they, um, what is it? Cross the T's and dotted the I's with the directors. I'm assuming that they did. Right. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully that yeah, that works. Nolan. I remember. Yeah. And then Christopher Nolan got very, very, very upset. Uh, but, 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 so before we trash this thing, let's talk a little bit about the things that we liked about it. Would you like to start or you want me to start? Okay. So I, I like anybody that has a, a visionary eye that mm-hmm. the vision could be, can be bad, can be a little askew, you know, look at uh, Zack Snyder. I'm a very vocal about how I defend Zack Snyder. But when, when, when I see vision, when I see creativity, when I see someone that, that is trying to do something, it's hard for me to hate on them more so as, ah, that's just not my taste. There's a lot of Suicide Squad that's, this isn't my taste. And a lot of, this is my taste, but now you're messing up the ingredients. I love the cast. I love the cast. I think the cast was perfect. Viola Davis is one of the greatest actresses in human history. Like literally, literally, Viola Davis is probably top five greatest actors, just all around human actors that ever lived. Yeah, she definitely I, I, elevated uh, what the material that she had. I feel like a lot of other people could have uh, really sucked in that role. Oh man, she's walking around with smiles and smirks and. I'm loving her performance. Her performance was the best perform. Now that I'm rewatching this years later, yeah, she had the best performance of anybody in this movie. Yeah, of anybody. She's in a better movie. She was. <laughs> no one told Viola movie. Davis she was in Suicide Squad. Right. Someone told Viola Davis that she was in a a, a military espionage spy war flick, and that's yeah. how she's acting. No one told her, "Hey, honey, this is a movie with crocodiles and neon aesthetics." So one of the things that I'll say is good is that I really, really, really like um, the designs for both Harley Quinn and the Enchantress. Um, while I know that saying that about Harley now seems like saying, you know, I like cookies, like it's something that's so nebulous that everyone agrees with now. But at the time, um, you know, they were really trying to make this look work. And throughout the film, all of the looks work. When you first see her, that look works. When when uh, she puts on her makeup and puts on her, you know, get up, that look works. When the rain hits and the makeup is smeared and the and all that stuff is thing, even that look works. Or she has like she has like blood on the under the lips, but it's like blue makeup and it's and like it's still super- killer. It's still badass. It's still killer. It still works. Which is why this thing won an Oscar for best makeup hair and stuff like that. Enchantress as well. Like that look is unique to that film to my knowledge airs enchantress look is way better that's one of the biggest takeaways that i remember when we first saw when i first saw enchantress i'm like oh the ghost with the gyrating and then there's this design where she actually looks genuinely good i'm like whoa wait a minute either my brain went somewhere else or this is a completely different design because i remember enchantress being covered in smoke constantly gyrating yeah i don't remember that when she was enchantress enchantress she had like the green uh design on the neck and her hair was like flowing i'm like whoa if this was air's design he knocked enchantress out of the park of parks yeah the weird amazing here 
the weird like um the ring-esque you know uh, aesthetic for enchantress and the um the tattoos on the face like that whole thing i thought was really really cool i love the own the one time we see it i love the in, the transformation into enchantress where you see enchantress oh. and grab june moons and turn it over like an hourglass and all of a sudden she's her like the, more of that stuff like what where did that where did yeah, that where, where yeah right like i think that th- that was the problem is like this movie was trying to survive off of three different scripts you had alfrey wood and alfrey wood sorry you were amazing too. You have Viola Davis trying to get Task Force X. You have Joker just existing and doing his own thing. And then yeah. you have the whole Enchantress setup of it. So you have too many villains all with their own motivation. It's, it's even worse because on top of that, you have a Rick Flag love story. On top of that, you have a Diablo redemption story. And on top of that, you have a dead shot story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He has a, he has a both. He has a redemption love story because he loves his daughter and he's trying to redeem himself. Yeah, so it, it um, it, it's just a lot. It's very stuffed, and that therefore, in my opinion, not everyone gets to gets their just desserts in it because everyone's trying to fit in their narrative and stuff. Um, what else? You do I like? can't I like, do that. I like I like this uh this soundtrack. I do. I think it's hip. I do think it it has some bangers on it. If you don't like Pilot, you'll like Rick Ross. If you don't like Rick Ross, hopefully you'll like uh, Little Wayne and Sucker for Pain or whatever. Um, I, I, I still roll my eyes at, at at Eminem. There was no reason to play. Oh no, but I don't me. consider that. I don't consider that that. I'm talking about the songs made for the soundtrack, not the score. Oh, okay. The the purple Lamborghini, the Sucker for Pain, the um, I need a gangster, the You don't own me, like all of those are bangers. <laughs> it's in my opinion, like I, you could play any of those, uh, and they're hip, they're modern. I remember that song. They're hip. They're modern. Um, they they work with the with the designs of these characters, uh, but that's one of the few things that does work with this film. It, it goes down a couple of rabbit holes that seemingly it cannot recover from. But if you're ready, we can get into this plot, and you can let me know what you think as we go along. Let's do it. All right. Our film opens up with a very neon punkish set of logos, and it brings us to Bell Rev, the maximum security prison our main characters are currently in. We meet Will Smith's Floyd Lawton and Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, who both get musical intros showing us the mistreatment of prisoners here. What, what do you think of Margot and Smith in these roles? I feel like there was a lot, a big spotlight put on them more than it's more so than anyone else margo was i wouldn't say a relatively unknown but in comparison to will smith didn't have that cachet of star power i don't think but i think her introduction as harley here they were really banking on this character working and the actress working what do you what did you think oh 100 they were like like yeah if you look at the cast of uh, there's the cast of actors and actresses in this movie it seemed like they were trying to either A, hone in on their one big star and B, try to make another big star. Because yeah. I can't tell you any of these other actors or actresses' names except for <laughs> Karen Fukuhara right. from The Boys. She's the only <laughs> one that I know. Other right. than that, yeah, it's like, this, it's, it's like the chemistry of these characters was revolving around Harley and Deadshot. And even shows when Rick Flagg was trying to make Deadshot like have the suicide squad be on his side he's like hey they listen to you you know you're a respectable guy and then there's yeah. like a whole 15 minutes of harley just literally individually trying to do a psych eval on everybody she's trying to get everybody to turn on rick flag like there was so many scenes where it's just 
Deadshot and Harley. And really so much besides Diablo, there's the ones that we get most backstories for. How many times did we get a backstory for Harley? Don't even get me started on flashbacks in this film, bro. <laughs> oh, for real? Don't even get me started on flashbacks in this film. Um, one of the things I did like about this introduction scene for both of them, even though, like I said, it's the beginning of all the music that we get, uh, is that they show that they're formidable, right? You see, you see flag training. You see uh, Margo's able to trick the guards a little bit and get in their heads. You, you see that they are forces to be reckoned with, even though they're both seemingly just human. Um, and they're, like I said, they were the standout in most of the reviews. Like people really dug how they played those roles. One of the big things that I don't feel like they follow up on is the mistreatment of criminals in this. Where do you stand on that? Like how fairly are we supposed to be treating these guys? Cause you see that they were like feeding Harley through like a tube at one point, beating Deadshot nearly to death. Uh, I'm, I'm putting you on the hot seat. Where do you, where do you sit on the tr- fair treatment I, of criminals? Uh, I am a supporter of prison reform. Uh-huh. I have seen Shawshank Redemption. I have seen Green Mile. I am I am big on prison reform. I feel like if somebody wants to actively change, actively get better, if someone wants to rehabilitate themselves, who are you to play God? But you the question is, are they in jail because they wanted to uh, <laughs> wanted to rehabilitate themselves, they, or is it because they got caught? They, they got caught, but that but that decision now leads up to you. Yeah. Once you're in jail and you have no other option and you're uh, and really it's either a digress or progress. I believe that a person would want to progress if they want to. You eventually have to make a decision though, like what you're saying. If you think that everyone who's ever done bad is not worth redemption, then say that. But don't say that p- people who have done bad can seek redemption. And then once they're in a place where that stuff is sort of kind of offered to close that door on them. Redemption, yeah, redemption is offered in jail, but the but the American the American prison system, it's it's just it it is it's shit. It's it's modern day slavery. Yeah, and they get a lot of money. There's some uh, for uh, for profit prisons out there. So yeah. for profit prisons where they're literally that they're the ones making your tires, and these guys are just oh yes, but they're being rehabilitated. Come on. One of, one of the other things we can say is that. You know, this prison is on a black site. No one knows where this thing is at. Um, That's the it was in a hole and the hole got thrown away. However, you throw away holes. Yeah. And speaking of the person who said that line, Sympathy of the Devil introduces Viola Davis's oh, Amanda not, Waller. Not at all. Not, not <laughs> the at all. Who tells us things have changed since the death of Superman. She does her best to convince the U.S. government to greenlight Task Force X, a government-sanctioned response team of criminals and supervillains that could take down a Superman-level threat. That's a bit wonky uh, when you see the team that she does. Uh, I think if you just had Diablo, you could probably... Diablo and Enchantress, you could probably take down a Superman-level threat. He's kind of weak to magic. Enchantress, Killer Croc. I mean, I don't know about Croc. He can stay home for me. Hey, leave Waylon Jennings alone. Uh, Jones. Waylon Jennings, I think, is a singer. <laughs> oh, yes. Singer. He sung the Dukes of Hazard theme song. There you go. Just the good old boys. Uh, uh, yeah, so the team will be u- used to combat metahuman threats under water's control via, via nanite bombs implanted in each criminal's neck, which can be remotely detonated if they step out of line. If successful, they'll have their sentences shortened. And if they fail, Waller could pretend to not know anything about it. It's her word versus the criminals. In a life sentence. How can 
oh, you have two life sentences. Now you only have one life sentence. Yeah. You see how they, she dangles this freedom in front of them constantly. You know, it is something that they want. It is something of value. And once you have something of value, you can start to negotiate some terms. And she seemingly um, is down to do that. But we're not done with the music. We get another round of no, character intros. <laughs> I counted it myself. Four songs. It was five songs in under 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nine minutes, 39 seconds. Five songs were played. <laughs> right. The ju- and the jukebox keeps keeps going because we get another round of character uh, intros. Deadshot shows how Amanda Waller used his daughter to get him arrested. This kind of jacked up. Um Harley Quinn gives us our first look at Jared Leto's Joker, including an origin montage, a club meeting between the couple and Common, and how Joker abandons her when Batman's on his trail. I think hers is the juiciest little tidbit there, so let's talk about that a bit. I think the mad love origin, the the, the Harley Quinn origin, is one of the most uh, unique modern origins in DC's lore. And I feel like resorting it here to a montage is almost criminal. The, the interesting levels of that story are what brings you back to this movie. They even gave you that they gave you Alex Ross's design for what a second. Yeah. I for mean, they, go, they literally go yada yada through the mad love thing. Like we stop the movie suicide squad and just do <laughs> the episode mad love where she's a psychiatrist and she's talking to him. They break out like that, 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 uh, flashback takes place for like five, six, seven minutes. Um, my problem is I don't movies. buy it. That's my problem. I don't buy that she fell in love. At least in Mad Love, you got literally Joker doing going through the motions of a therapy session. Yeah, where and Harley was even narrating like, "Oh my God, I'm starting to fall in love with this crazy." Am I crazy? Like she was questioning her own sanity. Mad Love is one of the best episodes. Well, you can do that when you have time to breathe. Like if this would have just been a Harley film, you could have done that. She could have had moments of doubt. She could have eventually, you know, put her foot down and say this is what she wanted. You could have seen her have this this debate with him that she does later on with the motorcycle stuff of like, you know, I I love you. At one point she says, and it feels like written by a writer, but she's like, you're more scared of my love than you are a gun or something. And I'm like, that's a bit it's a bit much, but um, yeah, they made Joker seem like this guy afraid of love, but then coming closer. It was a weird simp kind of energy <laughs> coming from that that thing there. And like I said, it's, it's just very weird um, that they would truncate so much depth into such a little soundbite. Like, oh, here's everything you need to know. I wonder if comic book fans or people who are more um, familiar with Harley kind of filled in their own blanks. And I wonder what somebody who had no idea who Harley was, how they like this character as described. In I, this think, I, I think I it, think it's pop culture's, uh, what's it called? Their forte. When it comes down to pop culture, even if you've never personally seen something, you know the spoilers, you know the motion, you know Batman's parent got shot, died in an alley. You know Superman is a orphan alien from Krypton, you know? I think everybody knows harley's origin without having to actually watch the episode or read the comic i think it's just always been stated it's always been there it's like common knowledge it's like two plus two it's pretty interesting though it's pretty interesting that she she's reached that level in my opinion like it's pretty cool she's only a 20 she's only my age she she's a little younger than me i'm older than harley quinn's character yeah same thing with me and yeah she's a household name now 
So it, it's just a, it's just a shame. You remember, you know, to be in 2016 again, they had this whole slate of films um, and we kept thinking, well, OK, if this one isn't good, we got another one coming up. Or if this Harley introduction isn't good, supposedly we have a Harley and Joker movie in the works that never came to light. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a shame. I feel like they failed both characters of Harley and Joker in this by chopping it up and just giving us the parts that they liked because I but think the nuance is in the middle. Problem. DC's problem is they like to introduce these very iconic, very big characters that need room to grow. They need their origin story. They gave us Joker and Harley without ever giving us Joker and Harley. Yeah. Like BBS gave you the death of Robin without ever introducing Robin. Yeah, I mean, you you have this moment here where, you know, you have this pretty blatant, um, like, abandonment where Joker leaves Harley to get arrested by Batman. Um, and then later on, he's so crushed that she's gone. It, it's almost, I mean, I guess if you can play into the toxicity of bad relationships, that that's there. But they didn't do enough for me in that moment there. Like, there should have been more to be said about like how he misses her. Maybe like he misses a ring that he owned once, you know, and he just wants to, get, he can't find it. So he just wants to get it back again, just for the sake of possession, as opposed to like this weird, deep uh, love. But one of the things that we'll talk about is seemingly the initial story was a lot more abusive and would paint Joker in a bad light and stuff. And somehow, some way through the editing process, they decided that the more powerful, story would be um joker and harley these just these just uh damaged lovers you know these just damaged uh you know goods who still love each other and all that weird toxic jersey shore i feel shit. like the relationship is already too tainted. The, the the relationship's already tainted i don't yes this is probably the most unabusive joker we've ever seen but we already know the joker abused harley we already know it yeah yeah. No matter what you give us, Joker and Harley, we're going to expect and wait and anticipate the slap. When I was watching the extended cut and I'm on, and they're on the highway, I'm literally just waiting for Like, I'm counting the seconds. Like, oh, he's going to slap her. He's going to slap her. He grabs the gun. I'm like, he's going to hit her? He doesn't hit her. I'm like, ah, oh, I see what you did there. But you see how I'm waiting for the back smack? The relationship's yeah. already tainted. Joker abuses Harley physically like he legit hits her but think about it think about it uh if you're coming in this with fresh eyes the Joker hitting Harley is not a a moment in the film it's not a moment in the theatrical cut so you have all reason to believe that really know like live under a rock to not know that Joker physically bro bro, we got to come out of our comic book cave because there's a lot of people who don't even know that there's a difference between Marvel and DC no way that's a hundred percent a fact. That's a hundred percent. Sadly, fact. I kind of believe that. I sadly, literally believe that. A comic book movie to some is just a comic book movie. They don't know. They don't know who owns Invincible. You understand? They're not trying to talk about where the boys came from. This all seems to be under the same, you know, uh, banner and stuff. Half the thing, half the time, I like pulling the uh, a layman aside and just discussing the craziness that is the Spider-Man rights and watching their eyes open because they had no idea how crazy and political things can get um so if you're coming in this without any knowledge of this couple dc is feeding you um this narrative that they're just flawed and and they're almost uh, sort of retconning a lot of characters without knowing that they're retconning these characters especially since not a lot of people many of people don't read comics and they just watch comic book movies right so 
a lot of these characters that we know is going what, what goes yeah. down in the comics, these people that are not going to read it, this is their interpretation. This is all they get. Yep, Cassandra Cain. How many people are looking at this Joker like, oh, this Joker's badass. This Joker's cool. This Joker got tattoos on his face like me. Do you want to you know, do, the, do you want to do the Joker talk now? Yeah, I guess let's go through Joker talk. Uh, that that look came out. If you remember, there was a look at him with his gun, with his hand against his head like a gun. His mouth wide open, showing a set of silver capped teeth. Uh, the tat, the damaged tattoo on the forehead. He was shirtless. Uh, it was our first look at the Joker, and everyone went crazy. Um, people, it. people judged it off the rip. Uh, people then waited and then judged it as they saw it. <laughs> Some people hated it when they saw it the first time. They, from people hated it when they saw it in the film. It's a unique look. I like the aspect of him being a gangster because Joker in other films has been a gangster, but a gangster in the in the weird uh, trapped 1940s aesthetic that Batman is usually in. So I feel like if he was a gangster now, he would kind of be like I that. I like his noir look. I yeah. do. I like his noir like. When when he when Mark Hamill when Mark Hamill has that really long fedora hat and he's got like the the bolo tie and, yeah. and the trench coat, I love that 1940s gangster train. I'm a big fan of that. Um, so yeah, he did. They did the best they can here. It's just a bunch of weird acting choices, like snarling and growling, and uh, uh, sometimes I feel like he's channeling. And honestly, sometimes I feel like he's channeling Jim Carrey. Like there's a weird Jim Carrey energy that he's bringing to this that I don't necessarily now like I don't necessarily want I don't want Jim Carrey Joker. Oh no, definitely Jim Carrey playing the Joker. This is Jared Leto playing Jim Carrey playing the Joker. Yeah, this like is if he a- took the Riddler for some reason, but I finally figured it out when I watched it. I finally it's it's like I unlocked my chakras and I realized what it is I don't like about the Joker. And there's only two things that I would change in an instance and mm. it would make it a whole lot better. The grills and the damaged tattoo. It's the only two things I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, he's being crazy. He's being crazy. He's being a gangster. He's showing off his woman like a prize and then gunning down the guy that's eyeing, eyeing her. Like, like there was so much about the Joker that I was genuinely enjoying as its own interpretation but the damaged and the mainly the grills the grills were bothering me the grills was some like cultural appropriation thing that i just could not <laughs> accept you thought he looked like uh james franco in spring breakers he looked like riffraff yeah exactly. <laughs> you got a james franco from spring breakers thing going on i'm just like bro you were being very you, you, you're stealing a culture that that they get made fun of for genuinely going through. Well, the thing is, it was this is one of those things, almost like when Justice League came out, where the the behind the scenes details or origins for some of these choices are seemingly more interesting than the film itself, because we find out through interviews and a bunch of other stuff that Batman seemingly knocked the teeth out of this Joker, and thus this is the repair, this is the dental repair that you're seeing in his face. Um, Rules possibly. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be open-minded. I'm an open-minded variant. Well, I'm saying, look at, look at, uh, what's his face? Look at Red Guardian. He's got a bunch of silver cap teeth, right? It's just like cheap, cheap dental work. Cheap dental Yeah, but those are fillings. This was legit. I got my mouth molded. Like you would have to have teeth to get a mold for the grills he was wearing. I know I'm yeah. from this, from that lifestyle. My uncle has, has grills. 
you would legit have to bite the the, the clay for them to mold it because those grills were like you can tell that they were put on in one big motion with the red guardian it was legit fillings those are metal fillings that's just shitty dental work yeah they have a bunch of weird um like this, weird this, choices of like, tattoos the lack of eyebrows um it reminded me of denture it's like if he got purposely got his dentures to be grills yeah which if if, if, if my head cannon is gonna go there then i guess that's a psychotic thing for the joker to do but how crazy will a, does a person have to be to get dentures as grills or do grills as remember, do you remember the rumor that people were thinking that this might be a robin were you oh, aware God. that that was a right yeah I do remember those uh, people were saying that he has a J on his face, which was they believed that it was tattooed on him by the Joker. And this was some kind of Joker eyes. Robin, people were looking for any reason in particular, to be honest, to distance this from anything. We were just we were less than 10 years removed from uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. And so any Joker was going to be highly compared to his. And well, it's funny because the only Robin that that could that it could be is Tim Drake. Right. Because of Return of Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker? Well, I don't even know where Tim Drake would have been in this universe. Seemingly, the Robin that died was Dick Grayson, which also doesn't make any sense at all because the Robin that dies is... I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you, bro. They just take the famous stories. They don't have any... I'm an open-minded variant. That's all I know. I have to be an open-minded variant. Anyway, we see Jai Courtney's Digger Harkness, a.k.a. Captain Boomerang, was arrested by The Flash after a series of robberies. Best supporting character in this movie. Like, as far as... uh, As the... As it goes, as supporting character, and GT is gonna GT is gonna laugh at me because he knows I hate Jai Courtney. But rewatching this, damn it, Jai Courtney was the bet was like the best thing in this movie. He goes up to Diablo with the with the lighter. He's like, "Ooh, fire! Ooh, I'm, I'm just cracking up." Or when he's on the island and he's like, "Hey, mate, you know I was just doing nothing, and these guys grabbed me, put me in a bag." I wish that he was he had stake in this somehow. Me too. Me you know, he too. has no stake. He's just there and he he's funny. I like him. I have nothing bad to say about him, which is probably why they're bringing him back. Everyone's fighting and he's hiding behind a car drinking like three beers. Yeah. Um, we have Jay Hernandez, a.k.a. Chato Santana, a.k.a. Diablo, who surrendered himself to police after losing control of his powers. Um, Waylon Jones is next and he gets nothing. He is barely nope. explained. They don't say why he looks like a crocodile man. He doesn't really like I, they should have went full CGI for this. I feel like the actor is kind of um, let down by what they were able to do because see, his the amount of makeup that this man needed to, um, you know, become. I a think they said it was like eight hours worth of makeup only to do like two hours of shooting. But the thing is, his the, the amount of makeup that he that the and prosthetics that are done to his face makes it disproportionate with the rest of his body. When he takes off his shirt later on, his head is huge. And his and body has like this small. weird. Yeah, he just has this weird, scaly, regular body. They totally should have. If they wanted to keep the actor, they totally should have CGI this thing. You're going to see how well, much- they want to win their Oscar for no reason. But I'm saying you're going to see how much fun they ha- they're going to have with King Shark in the next film because of the ability to be this big, wacky thing. Instead of trying and all to you have to do it. is voice act. But the fact that they didn't feel like they needed to explain him why he's a crocodile man, why he eats, they're like, he, he looked like a monster, so they treated him like a monster, and then he became a monster. And I'm like, come on, man. There was, there was too many Amanda Waller um, things like that, where she was just like just trying to do like a cold line reading to sound cool, and it didn't work. They just feed him a goat. I put him in a hole and threw away the hole. Like, 
they didn't but, mention that Batman chased him out of Gotham. So there's that. Um, but they also, she also mentioned that he was looking for sanctuary. So yeah. like, yeah. Why is he in jail if he's if, like got, poor guy was just looking for a place to live? I guess he was eating people still. Um, last but not least is Enchantress, the demons, the demonic spirit that inhabited archaeologist June Moon's body and is now working for Waller. Or Waller would destroy her heart, thus destroying the spirit. Heading the team is going to be Colonel Rick Flag. Uh, who, oh, so I should say Cara Delevingne is the Enchantress. Colonel Rick Flag is played by I am why well, I don't know why I'm blanking right now. Joe Kinnaman, for some strange reason, uh, Scott Eastwood is in this and not, not really doing much. He doesn't even have a, he barely has a line. So that like was you have really the, weird. You have the son of Clint Eastwood and he's like a background character. Yeah. Um, so Colonel Rick Flags is, is assigned to watch June Moon and falls in love with her as per Waller's plans, which is supposed to make him mendable, you know, with uh, or malleable because I don't know of, how Waller's you know, plan was well, like, what if, what if Rick Flag was gay. What if June Moon was gay? It's just weird in general. Like, what if they were both asexual? I, uh, your plan was to put a guy and a girl together for the guy to fall in love with the girl. That's very, very uh, archaic of you. Very. Well, she is a supermodel, Dan. She is a supermodel. <laughs> Wallet uh, does her. She does her presentation, including showing people her control of Enchantress in front of government leaders that include David Harbour in his first bad comic book movie. He won't let it be his last, though, in a couple of years. Um, and the chairman agrees to greenlight the project under Argus. Uh, each of Waller's picks are released and then given an orientation about Task Force X. Deathshot gets to practice shooting while Will Smith is in his full these white folks is tripping mode. Uh, did you catch that? Like he's just in his these jokes. Oh yeah, he just did yeah. bad boys too. He's doing his he's doing his Will Smith. He's Will Smith. You jokers is crazy. Yeah, like, he's doing he's just he's just doing that. that like, I'm not gonna lie. Was there was a the- worse was there a worse line reading than you lady are evil? Is there a worse is there a worse line reading than that? Who wrote that line? <laughs> well, he's David gonna a lot. He's gonna point to a witch and do that. Seems very very odd. Um. So Flag accuses Waller of being up to something because he could have built his own team of trained operatives, but she did this. And she basically calls his bluff while threatening June. She's like, yeah, okay, call, call somebody and watch what happens to June Moon. <laughs> so she, he backs off. Um, this is when we get a shot of Joker who has a, who's drawn a smile over his face. He's seemingly destroyed over Hardy's capture. Um, and in a shot that, in my opinion, has absolutely no substance, we pan out to see that he's surrounded by knives, piano keys, guns, champagne, baby clothes, all perfectly. It doesn't even have style. It doesn't have style or substance. It's just a terrible shot. It has style in the sense that it, if you, if you got to the end of the pull out, pulled out image and took a snapshot of it, it'd be a cool poster. You know what I'm saying? Like it would, people would dig that as a phone background. But in the scheme of the story, what the hell does it mean? I guess you could assume that he just went crazy. and got crazy. crazy. He got crazy. He bored. He has ADHD and pulled the punch things apart. So what are the baby clothes OCD about? At that point. Did he kill somebody in that room? What are the baby clothes about? What is going on? What the hell is happening? But again, we're told in a further film or future film or flashback, we will um, figure this out. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Joker manages to get a hold of one of the guards off duty and gets him to slip a phone to Harley in hopes of tracking and saving her. Enchantress Which never goes anywhere because I kind of wanted to see him die. Oh, he doesn't go anywhere, but the phone thing does. 
but that's a whole nother movie, right? That's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole nother movie happening on that side. Um, Enchantress, sick of being on a leash, reads her own Wikipedia. She just like finds the book that has all her stuff in it. And she's like, oh, okay, brother. You know, it's uh, like the Scarlet Witch getting the dark hole from Agatha. Yeah, she just finds the book. It's like, oh, snap. Okay. Um, it's one evil witch taking the power away from another evil witch. So she frees her brother's soul into some random guy. And then she sicks that guy on Midway City. And he uh, both destroys and takes over the city. And we get this weird, very weird series of dialogue with um, Enchantress talking to her brother. I think his name is Incubus. And they're talking about like how technology has taken over us and thus we destroy, we deserve to be destroyed because of it. Cause we used to worship gods and now we worship our iPhone. It was, it was trash. It was garbage. It was not even, they don't ever touch back on that, you know, as, as a, as a, like evil people should just want to be evil to be evil. Like I just want to take over the world because I'm a demonic spirit. The more people that I control, the more. Remember when evil was just this. evil? Remember when evil was just evil? Now everybody has to be sympathetic. Everybody has to have a cause. Everybody but what is this? What, yeah, what is this thing against technology? I don't understand. I really don't get it. Has she spent enough time, Enchantress, in Jumbu's body? She's walking around and it's like nobody's talk. Nobody talks to each other anymore. Everyone's <laughs> looking at their screens. Like what? It just felt very weird. Because um, it's 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 that it's forced preaching. It's I have something to say, but I don't really have anything to say. It's well, that's the problem with certain writers. They try and make these villains to be this like you know philosophical preacher of i'm gonna save you all it's ultron every yeah. villain is basically written how ultron is written yep and this was a couple years past ultron so they should have learned their lesson already oh my god yeah this was two years later mm -hmm. you would think you would think but uh, yeah, the attack from Enchantress's brother causes the authorities to activate Task Force X and they round up the team. We get more music. We get brain injections. Joker breaks out into the facility that makes the brain bombs so he can figure out how to disable them. Uh, they evacuate Midway City at the airport and then bring in Task Force X. They get their gear ready. Seven Nation Army without me. All the hits. All the hits from 2005. <laughs> Even assuming. back, you know what? Even back in the movie theaters, <laughs> I hated that decision of without me. I think What's everyone did. It literally the only reason why you put without me is because you saw the video once and remembered that Batman and Robin were in it. That's the only reason why you would put that in this. And that's such a stupid. No, nah, because I guess because of the chorus, this looks like a job for me. So everybody just follow me. I guess we need a little controversy and it feels so empty without me. Well, that's so, so corny. I, but yes, it's very corny. Like, I, I understand, but it's like, you're not James Gunn. Don't. James Gunn literally picked the songs first and yeah. wrote a script around it. Right. And we saw. You're writing a script and picking songs that you think relate to it the best. James Gunn was literally writing dialogue that related to the songs the best. I also wouldn't be surprised. The if they, playlist. Yeah, I also wouldn't be surprised if they shot all this and it was done completed and then somebody looked through the catalog of music and was like let's put this in here and let's put this in here what can we pay what can what can we own well, like what can we afford what music can we afford well we can't afford this so let's try that yeah i mean when fortunate son played i was like what are they doing what is this what is what are we doing this is for killer croc yeah it doesn't make any sense killer croc what the f doesn't make any sense uh they get briefed by Waller on an iPad. Um, and this is when I have a bit of an issue. Captain Boomerang is brought in in a sack. 
right? Yeah. Then that holes in it, like at least he could breathe. That sack was open then with a knife. They didn't zip the they didn't zip the sack open and release him. They plunged the knife into the canvas while the man was in the bag, and then opened it with a knife. Just because they're just because they were because he's a criminal and they're not criminals and right he's a criminal he's dangerous he can hurt people right so we put him in this sack to make sure that nobody gets hurt. Croc is in this weird Hannibal Lecter stand up thing of a Bob right? Literally Hannibal Lecter. Right. So that's how we keep our criminals. So why the hell does Slipknot drive in an unmarked SUV? Why is he driven? Why does he get escorted into the seat like he's somebody special? I don't. I'm not. I'm not really too sure. But their um their uniform, at least the ladies' uniform, kind of looked more like Interpol or like you know, it, it did. It looked more like a like a like an international federation. Uh, federal, At the very not- least, he hits women, but he gets the uh, black SUV treatment. So it's he said weird. it himself. He had a mouth on. Oh my gosh! Um, Waller tells them that their mission is to rescue high value target one from Midway City. They get aboard their <laughs> aircraft. And uh, we meet Katana. Like I said, Karen Fukuhara. We get a flashback and exposition. From, oh, my God. From the, Flag the, about, her, about her sword. So that's good. And you know what's a shame is when I find I, – I will never – this was last night. Because remember, I watched this before the boys was ever even a thought. Well, for me, anyways. Right. So I'm watching this last night. Before she takes off her mask, she comes on the plane and she has the mask on. And I'm looking at that jaw and I'm like, I know that jaw. Whose jaw is that? I know that jaw. And then she takes off her mask to Harley and speaks some English. And I'm like, oh, holy shit, it's Kamiko. Oh, man, that just made me want to watch the boys. And the weird thing Once about I noticed the- No, I was just going to say Enchantress. I mean, Enchantress. Uh, Katana is a hell of a character. Like the whole idea. We've seen her in Harrow. Uh, in the third season, the whole idea of like she's constantly carrying around the soul of her husband in this sword and can never get him back, but is seeking revenge for his death and using the sword, the soul taker, she can pull the sword out of you. So not only will you die, but you'll be tormented forever, trapped in this inanimate object. That's pretty damn cool. We don't see that done once. As a matter of fact, would it even matter if I like explained it? Like, if he didn't say, don't get stabbed by her, her soul, whatever, whatever, or the sword does whatever, I, I it wouldn't matter, say, would it? <laughs> I only say yes, because when when it was time for her to start doing her action, every time she was cutting someone, this dust, uh, like smoke was coming out of their body and going into her sword. And also there was two instances where she was talking to her sword. So but the, the I, instance where she talks to her sword gets exposition because that can't just happen and have us connect two and two together it, <laughs> it happened once and then you see it again the second time without it being explained like the yeah first rick flag is his rick flag is her uh her exposition machine so she yeah. does something to rick like yeah she just uh doesn't like peanut butter that's why she's cutting that sandwich that way oh, you know, I, like, what? Uh, that was a very terrible it, it it was terrible line reading mixed with terrible dialogue like if you could have just read it better I would have probably agreed with it more, but he was just like, that's ah, Katana. I wouldn't it ain't upset her. Her soul captures anyone it cuts. Like, yeah, okay. it's not it's not great stuff. It was um, just very monotone and bland. I'm like, okay, sure. We get Spirit sure. of the Sky, though. That's good, right? It was good when we saw it in Guardians first, but we have it here. 
Uh, Joker texts Harley. Croc throws up on the plane. Uh, Flag lies to the team and tells them that their threat is a terrorist group with AKs and dirty bombs. Again, um, like we were talking about last time with Will Smith, seemingly he has this cool redemption story. There's a story of Rick Flag, company man, realizing that his job is getting dirtier and dirtier and him trying his best to distance himself from criminals, but realizing that there really isn't a difference when you get too far uh, deep into the job that he has. Um, well, that's because he, he, I don't know how he has not learned yet that absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you no got matter what, that some of these people in this position have to tell themselves a certain kind of story to be able to sleep at night. Right. They have to say that the ends justify the means and yeah, bad stuff happens, um, you know, behind the scenes or behind the curtains, but it's so that good stuff can happen in front of the curtains. That's the belief. You have to believe that. No disrespect towards you, but at least the way the movies portray it, that's seemingly a militaristic mindset. Oh, 100%. Like if, you, if, you, if you work for military, cop, any kind of agency where you have to strap a gun and a badge on every morning, I think you have to tell yourself certain things to be able to sleep at night. Like, oh, I had to kill that kid. He was, he was pointing the gun at me. There was no way. Like, uh, it was my life or his. Totally. That's a, that's my opinion. So, but I feel like in this, he like, especially in the very beginning, he says a lot of things to distance himself from Deadshot. And he makes a lot of jokes about how Deadshot is just a, a hired gun and, you know, um, somebody that just will, for any amount of money, kill people where he's and it's doing not the same realizing thing. he's the hired gun saying it. It's the right. pot calling the kettle black. So and, doesn't that seem like a, black. doesn't that seem like a cool a thread to pull and explore in this film <laughs> like and they, they don't and they don't go on it they kind of do but in between that you have the harley stuff the amanda waller stuff you have the uh diablo stuff there's a lot, so there's I, a lot. I, I think there was three there there's legit three different scripts all with its own potential to be an awesome solo thing yep and we but will they're talk juggling about that. like three different scripts yeah 100 percent uh so um, uh, Flag accuses Deadshot of being the type to cut and run when things get hard and just as tensions rise their aircraft is knocked out of the sky everyone survives so they decide to just go off on foot to, the, to find the high value target Boomerang convinces Slipknot to try to escape and when he does his head is blown up for his trouble um, everyone had already assumed that Slipknot was going to die. He was in all the promotional material, but in none of the trailers because there was no footage of him because he was he, wasn't, he was also the only character that wasn't introduced via music video. That's also true. Um, I guess, random question now, who do you think is going to be the person that, because there needs to be a person in all these Suicide Squad movies that gets their head blown up to show that this is actually a thing or else people will forever question whether or not it actually it's works really- or it's a threat. It's really difficult because I knew you were going to ask this. Not that we, we spoke on it, but I just uh, I just assumed my I, I prepared myself that you were going to ask this question. So I was thinking about it a lot. And the way that they were that they're promoting all of the, the way that this Suicide Squad is being promoted, it's very tricky because in that last promotion of the movie we're talking about now, you could tell Slipknot's going. You could yeah. you just knew. Slipknot was going. They even put it in the trailer, his death scene, without showing the rest of his death scene. They show him shooting up a building and, you know, like, flying away. Yeah. So, like, I, but if I had to really guess on it, I think Pete Davidson might go. Just I was going to say Pete, Pete Davidson, too. Uh, just because it's Pete Davidson, and I think he would be down to want to do a death scene. I just think that's something that, oh, hell yeah, man, I would definitely. 
kill me. Yeah, man. Definitely. If you're doing uh, Pete Davidson, I won't keep. I, uh, you know, I won't keep the same answer just to make things interesting when we review this next week. I'm so who's go your for, second choice? I'm gonna go for Javelin. I'm going to flute for. Uh, flute you, th- you think you, you think Rooker? No, no, that's Savant. Javelin is Flugaborg, the the comedian. I think it was in Pitch Perfect. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, he, uh, that, that javelin we see later on with Harley holding it. Um, and we don't see, him uh, see yeah, that's else. a good, that, that's a good, that's we a good don't one. see him in any of the, of like the, the, the South American scenes, like when they're in the jungle and stuff like that, we don't see him anywhere in that. So I'm, I'm assuming with him being kind of a comedic character, he might be one of the first ones to go. Uh, but yeah, that's all Snipknot was in this. He was just a person to show that, uh, it, it works. Um, Deadshot and Harley make a plan to escape and spread the word when suddenly they're ambushed by Enchantress's army of faceless goons that she's able to create. These are normal men just create, you know, taken over by Enchantress and they are seemingly killed by, <laughs> by Task Force X. But um, Harley sees this as a time to ditch them. You know, they're distracted. There's an army. People are dying. But Deadshot proves his worth by sticking with Flag and using his impressive aiming skills to take down several monsters. Oh, that's that scene got actually uh, no joke, an actual like standing ovation in the theaters. Yeah, it was a pop moment. It was definitely a pop moment. And I, I dig Deadshot's gauntlet guns. Like I think that's oh, cool, hell yeah. Oh yeah. I hell think yeah. that's a cool little aesthetic. You know, he's always had them in the comics and stuff, but like not having to hold anything and just aim your wrist, kind of like how you saw it, Black no Widow joke, doing his it. His contract killing scene is probably my favorite scene of the entire movie. Again, I if he had his so, own movie, this would have been different. We would. Oh be my god, I could oh. so I could literally watch Will Smith play Floyd Lawton for two hours, for an hour, forty-five minutes, for however long you want to make it. I could watch it because that whole scene of the contract killing. Yeah, I'm like, oh, give give me like another hour of that mixed with 45 minutes of like drama and tension and slow, slow pacing things. So I have time to breathe. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. That shit was hilarious. All right. Now, now double it for wasting my time. <laughs> Boom. And then yeah, the, no. the music's going off and like, yo, it would have been a very urban and a very aesthetical movie. It would have been dope. Uh, so Rick Flag tells Deadshot they have to stick together. This is what you were talking about about the moment of, um, you know, hey, listen, they listen to you. We should stick together, kind of stuff. Uh, Harley has a motorcycle flashback. This is the the scene that we we're talking about where she gets hit uh, in front of the Joker as a I don't know love test. No, because I remember seeing that that deleted scene on YouTube. Yeah, from the camera's perspective, right? Yeah, from the camera's perspective, and you just see like. Joker snatched the gun and then smack her and she hits the floor. So yep. it's like, I knew it was coming. So when it didn't happen, I'm just like, oh, okay. I see yeah. what you guys are doing. But You're not going to stop people cut, yeah, from... We got it. We got, you get the slap, you get all of it, really. Um, and You're so, still not going to stop people from, from anticipating and waiting for that slap to come. Yeah, and I wonder then, how many people didn't, again, didn't know this couple and would assume that they are like really in love with each other you know like no, when you bring that when you bring that argument up it's like yeah you know what and the problem is it's a lot of social media and a lot of people that like idolize that relationship they kind of taint the waters of what that true relationship is so people see harley quinn and joker and they just see two insane people lost broken outcasts that only love each other but you know have a little bit of a toxic relationship and everybody nowadays idolizes this toxic relationship like they they get off on it they get off on fighting and hitting and so I guess anybody that would watch this movie would be like, oh, they really love each other. They just have a toxic relationship. Me, I'm sitting here waiting for the slap that never comes. Yeah. Instead, we get slapped by this movie. 
So, no, that, that movie was a right cross from Tyson. <laughs> yeah, it was. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is here. Um, but I think what's most interesting is you get the flashback and then start Harley starts to stir shit by bothering everybody, picking at people, teasing them. Um, I'm assuming in the regular cut, she just starts teasing them. But it makes much more sense that she was triggered by something and then became antagonistic. That makes way more sense. That adds a layer to that character. So you yeah, that bike, that. yeah, that bike scene never happened in the original. It's just it cuts to the next scene, and you just see her walking up to different people, just being antagonistic for no reason. Yeah, just mean, like mean and teasing, and just weird. Like, what are you? Why are you? I think somebody says, I think Deadshot or something. Like, why are you? What are you doing? Why are you stirring shit? And she's like, because I'm the bad guy, or whatever the hell. Uh, take a shot every time someone says something similar to that. Um, they're told their high value target is on the top floor of the John F. Ostrander building. John F. Ostrander is the uh, team's actual creator in comic books. So thought that was interesting. I figured. I figured. They infiltrate the building and take out the monsters en route to their target. Obviously, the scene lasts way longer than that, but I don't think there's much to say about it. I think the action scenes in here are poorly shot in the sense that I can't tell where people are in relationship in relation to each other. I can't tell where they are. Like people are just swinging things. Oh, yeah, great people little, are being attacked. Elevator. Yeah. Pretty cool. I'll give you that. I'll give you I that. Didn't, I didn't. But I felt like that was more of a style versus substance thing. Like, did that have to happen? Then 100% this movie is too much style over not enough substance. It's like it's crushing the weight. The style is crushing down on its weight yeah. on top of the that's the problem. It's aesthetical. It has this neon palette. There's so much pop culture music. There's a star-studded cast. I'm now just realizing uh, something that's getting me mad now because now I'm realizing that if you follow the narrative of the film, it's seemingly Harley, and, and Harley's narrative in the film, it's seemingly Harley trying to convince herself from the moment that she is arrested from the Batman incident that Joker is not good for her and that their relationship may not be what she needs it to be because he won't be the man that she needs him to be but then she he rescues her twice only for oh. them to break right yeah, off screen off screen so just remember all that people or <laughs> something you watch the extended cut you already know is going to happen because he never wanted to be with her in the first place yeah it was a reluctant relationship um, we get a moment where Deadshot eggs on Diablo to use his powers and another Harley flashback with the acid dip. Uh, the acid dip. Um, I love the use of I Need a Gangster in this moment. The theatrical version. Really, I hate that song because of this movie. <laughs> the, theatrical song, the theatrical version of the song that the kind of, that's kind of mixed with the score of this scene I thought was very well done. But in the grand scheme, doesn't really make any sense like not not the scene makes perfect sense but i'm talking about in the collection of scenes that make this movie i wonder why it's even here uh, it obviously has to express how harley got to be who she is but it was very weird it took certain things 10 steps backwards like it, it took comic book movies 10 step backwards it took adaptations as a whole 10 step backwards it took the female gender 10 step backwards because it gave them this sort of relationship to idolize that they shouldn't be. How many girls had that put in that, uh, choker or that daddy's little girl uh, crop top? Yeah. How many girls dyed their hair that way and listened to that song? But what does it matter if, you're, if your man is always there, if he's always going to come back for you, if he's always going to bring you in? <laughs> we don't find out till 2020 that that's not the case. 
for four years, that, they got to believe that, that this, this is what happens. That's the dating scene for guys like us. Uh, I, yeah. I hate like that because it ruins the dating scene in general. I just feel like it was a it was a bit of a misstep. Um, you should have just did a whole Harley movie if you're going to do this scene, if you're going to do the moment. Uh, the song, I guess you could also say, is a bit damaging to the youth, I guess. But I, if you think of it as sung by a fictional character who would eventually learn the lesson that this is not what she wants, it makes sense. But at the end of this movie, she gets him. That gang. If I'm supposed to put this in my head that this song doesn't actually exist in the real world and that song is the song that she made up in her head in that moment and she's just being theatrically crazy by making up a song, fine, maybe. But the fact that it that people can actually listen to that song a full three minutes. Yeah. The beat's banger. The beat's banging though. Don't, don't be hating on the beat. The, 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 the beat is banging when, it, when they bring in that guitar solo. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good stuff. It's just, it's a good song. And then you get it's the pink, a... you get the pink and the blue. You get the, you know, power, surrender, surrender is power. Yeah. You, you, oh, God, I hate that. Fuck. All I, of that. All I of that. hate, I hate, I can't, I can't say anything. This scene, I hate this scene. I rolled my eyes in theaters five years ago. I rolled my eyes. You know why I think I like it? I like it because ago. I like the origin. I do like the origin. And this is the first time I've seen it in live action, you know? I think that's yes, my, but is, is that a good what, thing that this is the, that, that you like? I don't think they did the it. Only? I don't think they did it wrong. I just think that they did it um in the wrong order. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. I this this scene I think would have worked in a movie that had the other scenes in it where the motorcycle scene and the therapy scene and the therapy breakout scene like that all exists in a movie that I think it if paced right that moment could have been a huge moment. But instead, we see Harley as she is now and have to go back and get her if to you, how she is. If you took every every Harley Joker scene from this movie and stretched it out and not made it a montage, but stretched it out where people could breathe and you made it come out before Birds of Prey, it would have been a perfect one two movie. But the fact that this was like. You're handling a, a, a one character's entire origin and character arc to set up her own little spin-off sequel on yeah. top of yeah. trying to manage a team movie on top of trying to give three other four other characters their own full circle arcs just juggling that's all they seem to be Flag, trying Waller, Deadshot, Harley, then the Suicide Squad as a whole. This is too much, man. It was too much. Way too much. It's too much. Um, <laughs> they uh, they find out that the high value target is Amanda Waller. Uh, Waller shoots her remaining employees while Flag and Deadshot argue about who's the real bad guy. Um, again, you know who's what's the difference? Yada yada. When the team sees who they came for, they get angry, but Waller threatens them with death. With an aircraft in route to pick them up. Task Force X goes to the roof. Suddenly, they notice that the aircraft has been hijacked by the Joker and both sides fire on each other. Joker gets the professor from the facility from earlier to deactivate Harley's neck bomb, and she goes to be reunited with her boo. Deadshot is instructed to kill her, but it chooses not to. Harley eventually falls from the aircraft enemy anyway when it's hit in an attempt to take it down. The helicopter crashes, and with it, um, Joker. And Harley's chances to escape are seemingly diminished. Waller gets in her own aircraft, which is also taken down. Uh, so now the mission is we have to save Waller again. 
So that was one of the moments that I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't remember this sequence of events. You know, uh, they fly into Midway. Their helicopter is taken down. Um, you know, they call for a helicopter. It comes. It gets shot down. Walla gets it to her own bird, and that gets shot down. There was a lot. There was a lot going on with all of that, and I felt like, um, yeah, kind of lazy writing. Like, it just seemed weird. Uh, but, 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 yeah, I think I'm done with that. Anything you want to say on any of that? Oh, I'm saying with you, I don't really remember Waller's uh, aircraft going down the second time. Yeah, it goes down, and that's how uh, Enchantress eventually gets her in his in her snare. Um, I think one of those. Yeah, uh, I kind of banked on all of that myself. Like <laughs> I, I, I was literally blank. I, I just that whole after Harley escapes and then doesn't escape. There was a big blank moment for me. Yeah, yeah, and, and like I said, this is where things kind of get gray and kind of get weird. Right. Because as they're walking down the street, they see Harley crying and she rejoins the team with Amanda Waller in her custody. Enchantress frees her heart from Waller's control and is now fully powered. Her reach is extended and uh, she uses her powers to ensnare Amanda Waller. Meanwhile, Deadshot finds out that Flag knew more about June and Enchantress than he put on. and He makes him tell everyone the truth. So this is the moment where I realized that this movie is broken because up until this point we have been getting everyone's individual flashbacks right in this moment we get a flashback not to prior times but to a prior time in this film they did not tell us that him and june went on a mission and then june june as enchantress left him with a bomb to run to her brother to ask her for help he, then the brother empowers her and thus she's able to erect the city. All of that was kept from us up until now. Why? What, what reveal was that? That wasn't a reveal. Like the movie's broken. How do you go, how do you flash back to the midpoint of a movie to show us something that you could have just shown us when we were at that point? Yeah. In the film? Am I making any sense? No, you, it's, it was, this whole final act was, Hellboy, it was, it was, uh, you know, like dark. it didn't matter. It was just a bunch of things being thrown at a bunch of different things. Like I said, this is this is the DC equivalent of New Mutants for me because so is I don't this have the part where the demon bear comes out. This is your demon bear this, moment. This, this is the, this is my demon bear moment. This whole ending was just so weird. Harley doing the the fake I'm on your side, and then you know you hurt my friends and. I, the, the coolest oh, moment we, was... Don't jump, don't jump there yet. We got to go to the bar, bro. Oh, oh God. I <laughs> we got to go to the bar. The bar scene. They... I'm sorry. I dig this bar scene. I dig it. I think this, this is, is true not Suicide enough. Squad fashion. This isn't enough, though. It's not enough. It's and It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's too late and it's not enough. Yeah, trying to do it this. It is too late. This team, team up, and this is supposed to be like the cathartic moment. This is supposed to be the whole jackass is standing in a circle moment, right? Mm-hmm. supposed to be the whole like you know what we're we're maybe losers but losers win sometimes yada 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 moment from peter from the guardians of the galaxy well, and it doesn't well, work in my opinion well from right, for me i look at it as this is this is that moment where they're on they're not uh, what was it? they're on contraxia or nowhere they're getting drunk drax and, and a rocket were getting drunk and spilling too much emotions like you know i didn't ask to be made and all that like this this was this was a lot of yeah that moment in Guardians where they're at like 
at a standstill, not only in where they stand as a group, but where the movie stood in plot terms. Because they haven't met Ronan yet. They just left the collector. Yeah. And things were going, were not, were all not going their way. But you already had a somber moment with, with Rocket and, and Drax. You already had a somber moment with Gamora and Star-Lord. They already had moments that led up to them eventually saying, you know what? We like each other more than we hate each other. But there were no moments in this. Harley tried to escape. Captain Boomerang tried to escape. Deadshot doesn't want to be here. I don't understand how this conversation changed any of that. Deadshot sees letters Poor from his Karen daughter. Karen is just there just because she's a bodyguard. That's her job. Essentially. That's literally her job. At one point, she has like this crying moment with her sword. I don't know why. She's just at work. I guess that the, the stakes and the risks are higher, so maybe she's just praying for his safety or whatever, and that's fine. Well, no, no, I think that what I, took, what I took away from that conversation was is she tells her husband every time she's about to go into a battle that she doesn't know that if she's going to make it like, so she's basically saying, if I don't, that's if I don't a lot be, though, every time, Dan, every time we're doing this, what is this? I, I, I can't, I can't fight, fight it on it because I would do the same thing. Listen, if I knew that today would be the last day that I'm going to speak to you, I'm going to make sure I say goodbye to you. As they're doing so this moment time- though. They, you have that line, you have the, the iconic trailer line. I completely forgot about it until they said it in the trailer where, uh, you know, this, like, the, the swords, whatever. No, but they did that already. The, what are we, some kind of suicide squad? It's fucking terrible. <laughs> but no, I'm talking about, you know what they say about the crazy ones. Huh? Remember that? You oh, yeah. In the you trailer, they, it was. Oh, she's talking to the swords. Like, you know what they say about the crazy ones. And, and Harley's there. Huh? And then in the trailer, you hear ah, ah, that weird penguin laugh that, that Leto's created. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're... We also need to talk about bad grammar. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if you're writing, and it has to be that you're writing the Joker's character. Mm-hmm. Can we just talk about the fact that it's bad Lee and not bad? He said, I'm just going to hurt you really, really bad. It's yeah. I'm going to hurt you really, really bad Lee. Yeah. It's an adjective. But he has no eyebrows. So I don't trust a man with no eyebrows. By choice. No eyebrows by choice. I don't trust a man with this no eyebrows. This is also a man that wrote Brightburn, so. <laughs> uh, Where are we at? So flag. We are at okay, the bar. Okay, we're, we're, we're at the bar. Um, they get unmotivated. It was a fun moment. They get unmotivated because they find out that Flag and Enchantress were banging, kind of, sort of, and Flag was lying about this whole thing. So they leave Flag to go for drinks. They're like, if you're going to kill us, kill us. Diablo tells a story about how his powers, um, how he, sorry, how his powers actually gave him status in the streets and he wasn't used to being told no. So one of these days, uh, his wife got in his face about his criminal behavior and threatened to take the kids and him and his anger set home to the entire uh, home. I set fire to the entire home, and, killing everyone. And then he ended up becoming a pacifist. Yes, and then his story gets Harley riled up about how no one, none of them deserve a uh, happy ending. And I love, almost like the He Who Remains, I love the Captain Boomerang. It's like, why every time you talk, it's got to be some fight? Like, every time you have something to say, it's got to be something. Why? You know? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. you're, you're ugly on the inside. Uh, you know? And she's like, we all are. We all are. I'm like, get, come, duh. I'm looking you're at, at runtime. I'm looking no, at runtime in this it. instance. You know, I'm like, okay, uh, what are we doing here? Well, how much? Is, how much is left? Never Croc called himself beautiful at the end of the day, and he wants BET. Those were his. He was just a joke. Like you already had Boomerang is kind of a uh, what is it called? Um, 
comedic foil comedic films, relief comic relief yeah and then the, yeah everyone else was except for the three four main people that they stick with um uh, but 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 yeah, Flag comes back into the bar, begs them to help him save June. Even goes so far as to destroy his little control pad where they can detonate their bombs. And you get a funny moment where as soon as he destroys and then Captain it, Story yeah, just bounces. Captain Story grabs a couple beers and he's like, I'm out. Again, they're not a team. You feel me? Like, again, everyone's just waiting for the moment to... They're forced to be this. there. Right. Uh, after Deadshot sees some letters from his daughter, he agrees uh, to join, believing that what they do today... Uh, everyone will know about potentially making him a hero in his daughter's eyes. The rest join and we are on to our third act. Uh, I thought this was kind of weird because he said something about like, we about to get into some biblical shit. Like it was very weird. Felt like a writer wrote all that stuff. You know, what do we say is going to be heard about years from now? It's like, eh, is it? Is it Superman? <laughs> Superman yeah. was just around. Like What we do here will be talked about in the history books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our grandkids will tell the tales of our victories. Our squad surveys the train station and sees Enchantress creating a machine. Rick's plan is to grab one of the death charges he left when he was down there with Moon in the flashback that we had. In I'm so glad they took away the gyro. I just have to say it again. I'm so glad they took away the gyrating because the gyration. There was, was a bit of it. At, there was a bit of it still. She was still. There was a bit of but, but, her hips. But the, the, but the design in the extended cut was so much different than the design in the theatrical release that the gyration in the extended cut, it seemed to almost make sense as if the powers were moving through her, but the smoke design in the theatrical cut, I can't get over Enchantress with that smoke design. I'm telling you, you gotta, you gotta have to review both sides again, but that Enchantress design is basically untouched from the, uh, from the theatrical cut. I'm going to have to go back and see the, Cause I'm telling you, I remember there's it's probably more vivid in HD them. now, like the green, uh, the crown and the heart. Well, heart I, I guess, that. yeah, I have a smart TV, so it's a, it's a nice little 4k TV. So yeah. Um, but like, I wasn't impressed with all the gray of everything, like all the gray of the CGI. It was constant. Her skin gray. tone was too gray. Her skin I didn't tone like, was way too gray. I don't really like her brother's character design. This weird, like jack-o'-lantern kind of, you know, like with the fires on the inside and it glows through the outside. It was very weird. I didn't get it. We didn't find out where this enchantress spirit comes from, what religion it's from. How do you activate it? How do you stop it? All we know about is this weird heart thing that you're supposed to stab. So, um, yeah, Rick's plan is to grab these depth charges, have someone who can swim, place the bomb directly under Enchantress and her brother in the machine and detonate it. Croc volunteers to do it and the rest gear up, but Croc is ultimately not the one who does it. So I don't know what the hell all this was for. Anyway, Flack tells Deadshot that June made him believe in love when nothing else did. He thought it was a lie. This is a failure of the film that we do not understand what he's saying. Like, we do not feel it. You know? It's a failure of the film that he speaks about June as the one person who allows him to understand what love is. And um, I think it's a failure of the It was film. just written by a writer. It was, it was it's like you said, it's just more... We didn't feel that. Connection. Nope. Uh, they get inside mere feet from Enchantress and try to distract her. Instead, Enchantress tells them that she can see them and plants false memories of their dream lives into their heads, which distracts them. El Diablo is able to shake it off and he unleashes his powers, becoming an Aztec god, I think. And he goes head to head with. Enchantress I'm pretty sure brother. it's Aztec. <laughs> he goes head to head with Enchantress's brother while Croc gets the charge where it needs to be. Um, and then, boom, they blow it up. 
Diablo's like, blow it. He doesn't care. So Diablo, Killer Croc, and Scott Eastwood all sacrificed himself, basically. No, well, not Killer Croc, because he comes back later to throw that, throw the other charge or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's right. He, I can't. That's yeah, his, that's right. That's He's the only job. one that's, that's, <laughs> that's his job after that is to throw the, throw the thing. He conveniently um, survives. The explosion seemingly kills them both. The death of her brother awake, uh, uh, angers Enchantress, who uses her abilities to take out satellites and electricity. Um, this is my favorite part of the movie because she destroys a satellite, but we get satellite footage of her destroying the satellite. So there was another satellite there, even though the guy, when it's destroyed, says he took down our only satellite. Doesn't make any sense, but I didn't write the movie. She does battle with our heroes hand to hand for no reason. Absolutely none. This is a woman who can transform you into a demon of her own army, can get into your mind and implant memories. She chooses to fight them hand to hand. This is the moment in which I realized that this is a terrible team to fight Superman because half of them would have been dead. Anytime Deadshot shoots at either Incubus or uh, Enchantress, I audibly laugh. Like at one point, Diablo is trying to take him down and it's having issues. And so Deadshot starts to shoot at him. I'm like, if Diablo's having issues, what the hell do you think you're going to do with a couple of bullets? But my man is confident in his uh, marksmanship. So can't blame him for that. It's, you know what? Natasha put the battery <laughs> in everybody's back. <laughs> Natasha yeah. put that battery in everyone's yeah. back. But if you just have enough bullets with enough will in your heart, you can take down a, an entire legion of aliens. Oh my god! Now I'm thinking about vibranium bullets being able to absorb the shock of their of the of all that. That's yeah. Someone get on vibranium, vibranium bullets. bullets. Somebody get on vibranium. Some, I'm pretty sure somebody has. Someone get Marvel comics. on the phone. This man has some ideas. <laughs> uh, Harley convinces her that she's changed her mind and wants to join her. But when she least expects it, she rips her heart out. When she recoils in pain, Deadshot shoots one of the charges. The instant it gets close to the machine, despite Enchantress trying to convince him to do otherwise. Uh, the explosion gets rid of the machine and Rick destroys the heart, which brings June Moon back. There's a moment where she's like, June Moon's never coming back. And then he stabs the heart and then June Moon comes back. And I was like, what, what was the drama there? What, 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 what's the, what, what? Like, he's like, bring her back. She's like, she's never coming back, you idiot. It's never going to happen. And he stabs the heart and June's back. And everything's back to normal. It was a bluff. It was a it was a mere bluff. Everyone is relieved, but then Amanda Water shows up and reminds them that they're all going back to prison under threat of death. So there you go with that. In a flash forward, we see that Floyd is granted a visit to see his daughter, and we get shots of our squad still in jail. We see Harley having tea when suddenly the prison is breached, and we see the culprit. It is the Joker, and he's here for his boo. The end. Uh, we get a mid-credit scene where Amanda Waller meets with Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is pumping her full of meta, uh, pumping her for meta-human information. We will end up finding out later on that he was using this to find where the Flash actually was. So that that's how he ends up seeing him in Justice League. Um, and then she advises him to stop working at nights, kind of implying that she knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman, and he tells her he better shut, she should better shut down Task Force X, or he will. Which was probably the most interesting part of the film. <laughs> It reminds me a lot of like their relationship that was displayed between um Justice League Unlimited and like the new adventures of Batman and stuff. Like they both hate how much they are um, alike. Yes, in the sense that they will bend um, you know, cross lines and bend 
rules so that they can get the information that they need, which they believe is all for the greater good. I am just finding out right now that they are I'm literally this is breaking news. There are two Harley Quinn movies left in Warner Brothers vault. Uh, Harley Quinn versus the Joker movie. Uh, the script from Glenn Fakara and Ron Riqua. The film was expected to start production after Suicide Squad, but it was canceled in 2019. And then obviously Gotham City Sirens, which was supposed to be directed by David Ayer. Um, and it got paused so that they could do Birds of Prey and the Suicide Squad. But seemingly those scripts were written or at least the treatments were started. All of that was put on hold. All of that was put on hold. Because this film had a very troubled post-production. Are you ready to hear some of the notable... Um, edits that were made to this film and i am see, ready see where, why we got the film that we got the franken film that we got is what i'm gonna start calling some of these things franken films bro because just like frankenstein they're just stitching a bunch of things together and hitting it with some electricity and hoping it works so the first 40 minutes of this film were cut with sections of it potentially being used for the flashbacks in this film 40 minutes right out the door the third act was changed with the Joker originally having an influence within it, uh, with the majority of Leto's scenes being omitted from the theatrical cut, which upset Jared Leto. And if you look at any interviews after the fact, he was very tight-lipped about uh, his involvement in this film, even though prior, you couldn't get the guy to stop talking about him being Joker. In the original cut of the film, Diablo would have originally survived. According to David Ayer, his cut would have featured hints at Steppenwolf and the Parademons, saying that it would have been enchantress to set off the mother boxes and not Superman. There was a scene shot with Harley in a wedding dress that was cut. Harley Quinn, Slipknot, Batman, Enchantress, and Katana originally had larger roles, with Katana eventually being become, I mean, sorry, eventually becoming possessed and attacking the team at one point. There was, there was a thick romance between Deadshot and Harley Quinn that was removed. There were scenes showing Harley and Joker's, abuse, Joker's abusive relationship that were cut from the theatrical uh, release. A Killer Croc line was added for the added to the theatrical cut without David Ayer's input. Jeff Johns added Harley Quinn being an accomplice to Robin's murder to the theatrical cut. Parts of the original score were replaced with pop songs for the theatrical cut. According to Warner Brothers Media, there is no plans to release the original cut of the film. And the biggest, biggest thing, the final cut of this film was taken away from David Ayer and instead handed to a trailer production company. So this movie was cut by the same people who cut trailers, which is why I say any five-minute stretch is probably perfect. These scenes put together is a mess. It's a mess. But you take, like I said, you take the moment of uh, Deadshot shooting on top of that building. Cool stuff. I like personally the acid bath moment. Cool stuff. Everything else in between, it's garbage. Um, they originally, I don't know if you remember, did the first uh, set of trailers with the I Started the Joke trailer. Really great. Yes, really I gothic, started a joke. Great, gothic, tragic, uh, started dark. Started the whole world laughing. Which people dug, but people dug the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer way more. I, from, yeah, for me... I will never forget my emotions on the trailer that had ballroom blitz. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was just so much when it cuts to that, that, that bridge part and the man in the back, as a matter of fact, and his eyes are as red as the sun. And it had the cut of all of the scenes in suicide. So I'm like, damn, 
this might be a re- even to this day having watched the movie three times i will still watch that trailer like this I is like, a really good trailer i do it's think that bohemian trailer. rhapsody trailer is amazing as well but the I think bohemian it's the same rhapsody trailer. starts with bohemian rhapsody and then goes into ballroom blitz the issue, it's the second trailer the issue is the bohemian rhapsody trailer creates a tone for the film that the film did not have Exactly. Yeah, one hundred percent. So they then had to give the movie to the people who cut the trailer. Does that make sense to you? Like, can you edit? <laughs> I know you edit our trailer, but can you edit our film now so that it matches what the trailer the says? The movie's gave gonna... in this three-minute trailer. So we need all... this two-hour and thirteen-minute movie to match your three-minute trailer. So David Ayer's vision was thrown in the garbage because it didn't match what they had promoted. What they had told us was going to be Suicide Squad, which was supposed to be a fun Guardians of the Galaxy S romp. So now they give it to this trailer company who does their best to make it Guardians, throwing a bunch of music in. Here's some like intros with the words on the screen and all this other kind of stuff. Here's some random flashbacks. There's so much and by neon. the way, there was no flashbacks in Guardians of the Galaxy. By the way, there was one in and the it beginning, the but it wasn't like it wasn't like he was looking out the window and flashed back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It yeah, wasn't like Rocket a character was thinking of a moment. Rocket wasn't walking by. Rocket saw a syringe on the floor, and then he gets a flashback to his experiments in the lab. And Guardians probably worked because, again, they didn't dive into Rocket's background. They didn't dive into Gamora's background. They didn't dive into Drax's background or Groot's background. They all no, said- you got you, you literally got who they are, and that was it. You knew Rocket was experimented on. You knew Groot was from this planet. You knew Gamora was the daughter of Thanos. You knew Drax lost his family to Ronan. And Quill was kidnapped by the Ravengers. And that's all you needed to know. Yeah. Everything else was given to you by their personality, by the character traits, by the acting and the chemistry. Yeah. And you can't just take the temp, like, you can't just trace. Everyone can tell what a tracing is, right? Everyone can tell a tracing. You're a tracer. Yeah, you're tracing out here. You're a tracer. It's a damn anchor. You're a tracer. Had they anchored this film on Flag, maybe, and him trying to trying to not be a criminal and then realizing that, well, you know what? The lines are a lot grayer than I realized. And then you can go to the Suicide Squad where he seems a lot more comfortable hanging out with these guys. If you would No, yeah, 100%. This could have been a this could have been either a Harley trilogy or or, or a Rick Flag sequel. Or Deadshot standalone, but it, it can't be all three. It can't be all three, and that's why we and tried that now. This movie tried giving what this movie tried doing was it tried giving you this franchise of Harley movies while giving you a very complex, complexly and interesting written character in Rick Flag, but then the star power of Will Smith and oh, but we got to make Will Smith the star no matter what. Will Smith has to be in the forefront, so. But then we have Viola Davis. We got to give Viola Davis a lot of the a lot of the good lines. So you know there was just there was so much juggling and the juggling failed. And it was a person that thinks they know how to juggle. Keep trying to wait. No, I got it. Wait, no, no, I got it. Wait, wait. no, wait, wait. this time I definitely got it. Yeah. And they keep dropping the ball. Keep picking up the balls. Like wait, no, I definitely got it this time. And keep dropping the ball. Well, it wasn't for lack of trying, Dan. I have here. Reportedly from MTV.com, you know, I'm gonna give them credit where their credit is due. Every crazy thing that Jared Little supposedly did on the set of Suicide Squad. Are you ready to listen to this before we wrap up? Oh God, I remember, I remember this. Okay. So reportedly, Will Smith never met Jared Leto on set. Uh, he said the method actor Jared Leto was committed to being the Joker. He we never said hello. We never said good day. 
I've only ever spoken to him as Deadshot and him as the Joker. I literally have not met him yet. Not a single word exchanged off camera. He was all in on the Joker. All right. Um, Margot Robbie reportedly received a live rat from Jared Leto. At first, I thought this was disgusting. But then after that, I was like, I'm not going to kill him. So I ended up keeping him as a pet. I ended up getting him a sweet little playpen, a slide, a hammock, and a leash because I wanted she to take him on a walk. She was just the sweetest soul. She's just the sweetest soul ever. Yeah. She really is a pure to heart soul. Why she got a rat a, as, a, a, as rat. a method acting prank and then decided, you know what? I'm going to keep him as a pet. Thank you, Jared. You just gave me my new pet. Viola Davis revealed that Mr. J gifted the cast of Suicide Squad a dead pig. He did some bad oh, things. I, Jared Leto. I, I heard it was a dead bird. Uh, it was a hog. He did some bad things, Jared Leto did. Uh, he gave some really horrific gifts, she said. He I had heard a there henchman. was a bloody tampon used condom. He had a henchman who would come into the rehearsal room, and the henchman came in with a dead pig and plopped it on the table, and then he walked out. That was our introduction into Jared Leto. Uh, in an interview with E! News, um, Leto revealed that he sent everyone in the cast used condoms and anal beads as means to further identify with the Joker. I did a lot of things to create a dynamic, to create an element of surprise or spontaneity, and to really break down any kind of walls that may be there. The Joker is somebody who doesn't really respect things like personal space or boundaries. Um, uh, he also gave people a box of nudie but who used the condom? Did he use the condom? Who I mean, his method, Dan. Come on. His method. So he also gave a box of nudie mags, a dildo, a switchblade, used condoms. Um, Scott Eastwood was scared to approach him because he didn't want to mess with like his method thing. So he didn't get any condoms and stuff like that. So I guess that's good. Um, he freaked out. Well, they completely avoided him. Um, David Ayer said of Leto's performance, he constantly has to give birth to himself. He goes away, comes back, he shoots, he goes away. The Joker is something you have to beat. And you can see how exhausting and painful it is for him to get into this character. But you can feel it when he comes to work. The crew feels it. Everyone feels it. It's like a bird stopped flying. He's fucking terrifying. Um, Jared Leto's still the Joker at the end of the day. Apparently. He wasn't going to rehearsals. Um, he put a bag on the door. It was a dead pig. Uh, there's, there's a bunch. There's, there's a lot going on. Man, um, loves his dead pigs. Yeah. Rob, Margot Robbie says she doesn't think of Jared Leto and the Joker being the same person. Was all this method acting worth it, it with the final result, Dan? And I think is so. Is there a film out there that is robbing us of the pureness that could be Jared Leto's Joker? Yeah. It's... Yeah. It's basically Requiem for a Dream. Requiem for a Joke. That, that's, that's basically the original Todd Phillips Joker without going to the Murray end of it. I don't blame him. The guy seems to be a talented actor, and he also seems to be the kind of no, person Jared that wants Leto to get into a, these roles. Jared Leto's an amazing actor, but an even amazing more songwriter, singer. Yeah. I feel he should just, like, I understand he loves acting. And if you love, if you love acting, do it. He's going to be in the new um, Versace biopic. Gucci. Oh, Gucci. Yeah, not really. it's gonna, he's going to be in the new Gucci biopic. It, I don't think that when the trailer company had the movie in their hands, there was any room for a pimp-slapping clown in their production. They looked at not the at trailers all. and they were like, well, we can put him in here and there. We have to put him in the moments we put in the trailer, right? So, And they didn't even do all of that because there's a moment where his face is scarred and we never get that moment in the scene. Um, 
but yeah that seemingly is that on that that it's a lot, Dan. Like you said, the movie was taken from the man. It was stripped into shreds. It was thrown in front of the audience. And then the man... It was, was bastardized. The it man was, was blamed for it. If you go to Comic Book Click uh, at, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, you'll see David Ayer actually penned the very last words that he will say about this film, basically describing how it was taken from him, describing what kind of movie he thought he was making and um just how he feels about the process overall it's kind of disheartening but if you want to hear the true story from the man himself uh you can go to his twitter or you can go to us wherever we're at on um social media but comic book click is all over social media so i don't want to hear these excuses i've done it myself I've, there are you no type excuses. major issues podcast two full google pages you type comic book click websites facebook instagram twitter we're all over, B. We're all over. As a matter of fact, we want to thank you guys for listening to this episode because we're getting closer oh, and closer to episode 200. And hopefully you guys oh my God. continue on the journey with us. Um, we covered episodes every single Wednesday, Knock on Vibranium. And uh, we haven't missed a week yet. So join us every single week. If this is your first episode, join us next week. Go see The Suicide Squad. We'll be talking about it in full uh, spoilerific. Both of flavor. us will be back again to be talking about Suicide Squad in literally a five-year difference from the release of the one we're talking about now. Yep, and in less than a week's time, hopefully we'll be covering this thing. So uh, that is going to be exciting. And I, we want you guys to, to, to join us. So first, like, share, and subscribe to the podcast, wherever the podcast is found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the podcast app, uh, Apple Podcasts app, Google's Podcast app, TuneFind, YouTube, Spotify. We're available wherever podcasts are found. But the one place to find everything Comic Book Click is at comicbookclick.com. Our website is uh, almost two years old at this point, but it's the one stop for everything Comic Book Click, the merchandise exclusively designed by yours truly. Every single of the Major Issues podcast episodes, that's over 180 episodes, over 360 hours of content at this point. Like I said, I want to get to a point where I want to get you love to read. Yeah. And there's a bunch of Harley stuff in there as well. We've covered um, Birds of Prey. We've covered um, some episodes of the animated series. We covered a Harley comic. We've covered Joker a whole bunch on, on the podcast. So go to comicbookclick.com. You can even search to put in the search bar, Joker, Harley, Suicide Squad, and you can find all the times we spoke about these people. Uh, we did it for Spider-Man Day where we typed in Spider-Man. You can see how much we've covered him. So yeah, comicbookclick.com. Um, you, you'll see once you get there that there's a support comic book click button. If you hit that, it'll take us to our Patreon at patreon.com slash CBC clubhouse. And for a little as $3 a month, you can help us keep our lights on here um, and help support us as independent content creators who do all of this free of charge, but sometimes the expenses can mount up. So if you want us to reach new horizons, consider supporting us. Uh, if you can't support us monetarily, then tell a friend to tell a friend about and the podcast, share it and share, uh, all our social media one dime for 30 days that's it that's it one one ten a day that's 10 cents a day three dollars a month um with uh, that's cheaper than any subscription service and we're gonna we're working on some new exclusive content for our patreons that we will be pushing out hopefully very soon including um first round looks at some of the things that we've done um that will be going up to youtube so that's exciting. So consider supporting us that way, but you can support us for free by rating and reviewing us on iTunes is the quickest way to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't. Cause I've been to the future and not the one where this film does any good, uh, where we do become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media. 
Uh, I can't tell you how we do it. It will mess up the timeline. Barry's about to fix it, and we're not going to get this movie ever again. So make sure that you are on the bandwagon before it ends up becoming full, before the Speed Force ends up shaking all this apart. Make sure that you're listening to the Major Issues podcast every Wednesday and that you are following up on all our social media so you can get updates on what's going to be next on the cast and how you can get your voice heard. But we're also all over social media. We want to hear you guys talk to us about this film. Go to facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or you could use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things that come to comic books and comic book media as well. We're all over, people. Hit us up. Talk to us about Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad, and then we'll be unveiling our full lineup pretty soon too. And that's going to be hella exciting because we have The Boys, Umbrella Academy, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, Shang-Chi, uh, Spider-Man, Eternals, The Boys, Doom right Patrol, right? Doom Patrol um, all seemingly coming back in this fall to winter schedule. So make sure that you're paying attention to everything we do, all of our updates, so you can join in on the conversation. But... I think that's about it for today. My name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am a variant of Dan, the comic book man, D-137. And this has been our Suicide Squad 2016 recap and review for its five-year anniversary. And remember, whether you're a villain, a heathen, or just a bad guy, whether you're an insane clown stripper, or just a bad Joker cosplayer. Remember not to let people mess with your work like David Ayer. Remember that we are the click. And remember, please remember that you, yes, you are worthy. <laughs> <laughs>